Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John. We're going to be in the book of John. I want to show you something that jumped off the page to me that just, it just this, I'm, this is a personal devotion that turned into a Sunday morning message. And I just want to share with you something very, very simple. But here's what I want to talk about today. It, if you go back and listen to the podcast, I, I've been consumed with one main thought. And it started back in like October. And if you'd have come to my office in October, you'd have came in and, and on my mirror I'd written literally this question, what do you want me to do for you? And I just had some prayer requests I was praying through. And it came out of the scripture where God literally ran into these blind men and they they want him to be healed, and the disciples think they're a distraction, and he kind of shoos them away and looks at these blind men and says, what is it you want me to do? And we started asking that question. In 2022, what is it that we want God to do? And for me, it came back to, like those blind men, I want God to help me see. I want him to help me see, because if I can see what it is that he wants me to do, I'm real good at doing that. My problem is I usually have a seeing issue, because I don't want to live life simply for myself. And so I want to ask you one simple question, and I'm going to try to answer this question today. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? See, I've been consumed with this aspect of seeing, and, and, and it's like God was saying, okay, you want to see, but it's like he was asking me a question, but what are you looking for? Like you want me to show you something, but what is it that you're wanting to see? And I thought, hmm, that's a pretty good question. And so I'm reading in the Gospel of John, and I came across this. And it started in John chapter 1, verse 29. And it started answering that question. And you're going to see where this comes from as far as what are you looking for here in just a minute. But verse 29, it says this. Three words that I can't even get past. The next day. Look, can I tell you how the pastor works? So I'm reading this, and it says the next day. And you know what I think about? Well, what happened the day before? Like, a, like hang on, before, before I can get to the next day, I, I need to know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just one of these guys. I'm going, well, wait a minute. Oh, I don't want to miss something. If I'm on the next day, and then I read what happened on the next day, and you're going to read a little bit of it too, but you're not going to see these scriptures on screen, but I start thinking, well, man, this is good. If this all happened on the next day, what in the world was the catalyst on the day before? I'm going to show you four days in the life of Jesus, and then he takes a three-day break, and then he launches his ministry at a wedding. But I'm going to show you four days that changed everything, and it answers the question, what are you looking for? So before I do that, let's jump back to see the day before the next day, okay? So you don't have this on the screen, but just listen to me. If you have your Bibles, you can look, whether it be on your app or phone or paperback. But listen to what the day before the next day was. And this is the testimony of John the baptizer. Now, I don't say John the Baptist because we live in the South, and you say John the Baptist, and you go, yeah, I told you, Baptist is the way. Don't be an idiot. It was John the baptizer, okay? He baptized people. But John the baptizer, this is his testimony. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. Now, listen, everybody's looking for something. Here's what the Jews and the priests were looking for. They come to John the baptizer, and they say, who are you? You know what they were looking for? They were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for a prophet. And so they come to John the baptizer and they say, hey, who are you? 
I think there's a lot of times that people are coming to you and they want to know who are you. Like, people will come to me being a pastor and they're like, well, who are you? Like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody, to be honest with you. I, like, I'm, I'm the least of any of these. And it's one of those things, and I don't say that like I have lack of self-esteem. I just want, I'm like, I mean, like I listen to podcasts of some amazing pastors, and I'm not them. Like, I just know what God's called me to do. But who are you? But let's know how John the baptizer answered it. Remember, this is the day before the next day. John the baptizer, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him. See, he knew what they were looking for. And he was saying, listen, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, nope. So they said to him, again, here's this question. Well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, making straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been seen from the, been sent from the Pharisees, verse 25. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John the baptizer answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So before we can get to the next day, the day before the next day, John has this amazing confession. Because there are people that are looking for something, right? What are you looking for? These people were sent saying, we got, is this guy the Messiah? And listen, John the baptizer, who had a phenomenal ministry, in a minute we're going to say he even had disciples. He makes it very straight. What you're looking for, I am not him, but he is coming. I am just the person making the way. I want to hit a pause button. I want to say something very lovingly and politely, but I want you to catch what I'm throwing today. God has not called you to be the Savior. He's already done that through his son, Jesus Christ. I think sometimes as a church, and I say church, I'm talking about believers in general, we think that it's our job to fix stuff, right? Like somebody has a problem, I got to fix it. Somebody has a need, I got to meet it. And there's nothing wrong with meeting needs and helping people with problems. That is called loving people well. But when it comes to this spiritual issue, you need to know God's never called you to be the Savior of the world. So if you have people in your life that you're wanting them to have a right relationship with God and you just don't know why something may not be happening, can I get you to take a deep breath? God is really good at being God. And at no point is he requiring you to do it. He says salvation, that he is the author and the perfecter of the faith. We just have to be the person that represents him well so that when they come, they know in what they see. So that's the testimony that John the baptizer had first. So now I was able to go, okay, so now I can go into the next day. So here's the next day, verse 29. And there's gonna be a lot of scripture today, just bear with me. He saw Jesus coming, you'll see this on the screen, Towards him, this is Jesus coming towards John the baptizer, and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said. After he comes, a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, 
But for this purpose, listen to this. He, he announces his purpose. It's so good. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John the baptizer bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. See, what's transitioning here is you have this amazing ministry of John the baptizer, and you have this gospel that's written by John, the son of Zebedee, and he's transcribing all these things, and that's the reason why you're hearing me say John the baptizer or whether I'll say the disciple John, because it, it gets confusing. Like, which John is it? Which John's going on here, right? But here's what I want you to catch. There is something that's taking place in the very beginning of John that changes the dynamics of everything in this world. And it started with one man's selfless concept of realizing what people are looking for. John the baptizer had hit a point that if he wanted to, he had a large following. So much so that he had some people that would be what they call a disciple of his. Meaning they would sit under his teaching, they would follow him, they would do what he did. And this wasn't uncommon because just like in the Pharisees' ranks, you'd have people that were following them in the different temples, the main temple being in Jerusalem. The problem is, is when we get so caught up in the influences that we have that we miss out on the big influence they need to have. So can I keep reading? Now that you know a little bit about this confession, we're going into day three. The next day again, John the baptizer was standing with two of his disciples. Now, I will go ahead and give you a heads up through study, and we know who these two disciples are. One of them is going to be Andrew, who's the brother. It ends up being Peter. The other one is the author John, John the son of Zebedee. Now, one of them, it's stated who it is. You're going to read that in just a minute. The other one we never really states. John, in writing his gospel, never really states his own self. He always writes it from different perspectives or refers to himself as the beloved one. But we know by studying and by this account that the two disciples that are standing with John the baptizer that see Jesus coming are Andrew and John of Zebedee, the author of the gospel in which you're reading. Now, when I say author, God is the author of the whole gospel. John was the one that penned it, being inspired by God. So now that you know who the two disciples are, listen to what happens. Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard this. The two disciples, sorry, heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, I want you to put in perspective. I got intrigued because I've heard of the calling of the disciples, and Jesus was walking by the shore, and he yells out, follow me, and they dropped their nets and followed him. And, and that was after things had really gotten started. But the first few disciples in which Jesus really moved, it starts with him going to somebody that had already been poured into and John the baptizer points all the attention, everything that he'd been working on, everything that he'd been instilling, his life ministry. And when the time came, he said, no longer look at me, follow him. From being in the wilderness to eating the locusts to baptizing the people, his whole rapport Everything that we know about John the baptizer, being in his mother's womb, 
And when Mary enters the room, he leaps with joy. Like everything has led up to this amazing ministry that John the baptizer has built. And in one instance, he gives it all away. And says, don't follow me, follow him. That blew me away. Like I think back to the American church. And I think back to some of the things that goes on in the American church. And I think about the growth of his church. And I thought, I wonder how many times we would see God sending us on a journey to get people to a certain place and say, okay, now I want you to go. Like we would be really healthy and could really do a whole lot if you stayed here. But because of who God is, I want you to follow God more than follow this. And listen to what happens. So they follow in Jesus. Jesus turns and saw them following and said to them, here's where I got the title for today's message. What are you seeking? Some translations will say, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. I got a question for you. How powerful is an invitation? Like things in your life that you've been invited to be a part of. Maybe it was invited to, hey, you, you want to try golf? Hey, do you want to try, you know, hanging out at the house? How powerful is the invitation? Like for some of you in the room, you are sitting by your significant other that you've been married to for a while, and it started with a, hey, would you like to go out to eat? You know, like, like an invitation can be an extremely powerful thing. Invitations lead to forevers. And I don't think there's any greater invitation than what God gives us in this scripture where he says, hey, I tell you what, if you want to know who I am, come and see. So it made me start thinking because I've been thinking about this whole aspect of what am I looking for and wanting to be able to see and I thought, when's the last time, rather than trying to explain things, rather than trying to let somebody know that I know what I'm talking about, when's the last time that I said, you know what, rather than trying to put it in words, I got an idea. Why, why don't you just come with me and see? Sunday's at 10 o'clock, if you, if you want to come and see. 21 days of prayer and how God moves through prayer. Just, just come and see. Well, when it comes to, to dating in a relationship, well, you won't, won't you just, you know, come, come out with me and just come, like Amy Lou and I are going to go out to eat tonight. You want to come with us? Just come and see. Like just, how about I display something more than talk about something? How about I usher in the ability to be able to see something rather than trying to be something? Well, he, he gives them this aspect of come and see, which just blew me away. And then you got to stay with me because we've got several more verses. We're going to get through it. So they came and saw. Now, this was about where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Now, watch the trickle effects. One of the two who heard John speak, this was John the baptizer, speak about following Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. His, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, listen, he goes from what are you seeking to this statement. We have found the Messiah. 
So he, being Andrew, brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Caiaphas, which means Peter. And it's one of those things that this concept, and he builds the rock. So you have this, this Cyphus, Peter. He said, you're going to be called Cyphus, which means the rock. But look at how it happened. John the baptizer builds his ministry, has two disciples, is constantly trying to usher in this Messiah that's going to come. When he sees the Messiah, rather than having a haughty spirit and trying to build his own ministry, he says, now that's who you need to follow. That's the Lamb of God. Follow him. So you know what? They did. And Andrew and John followed him. And as soon as they started following him and realized that he's the Messiah, Andrew goes and gets his brother, who's Peter. He says, hey, we found the Messiah. Come on. You, you. Come and see. But it doesn't stop there. Listen to what it says. The next day, now we're on day four. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Can I help you? John the baptizer has an amazing ministry. He's baptizing people. He's been ordained by God. When I say baptize people, to put it in perspective, John the baptizer is the one that Jesus himself goes to at the Jordan and says, permit it to be so for you to baptize me. And when he baptized him, the spirit, like a dove, descended and came onto him. And from the voice out of heaven, it said, this is my beloved son, who I'm well pleased. Like this guy was a really, really big instrumental part in God's story. But when he saw the Messiah come, he goes from building his own life and his own ministry and starts pointing people and says, no, no, follow this guy. He's the Messiah. So Andrew and John say, we're following him. And so they immediately leave John the baptizer and are kind of just following Jesus. And Jesus realizes somebody's following him because he's Jesus, stops and says, what are you looking for? And they're like, uh, we just want to know where you're going. But Jesus, knowing more than they said because he was fully God and yet fully man, says, come and see. So they go with him to this house. When they go to the house, he's spending time with them. It's the 10th hour, so they're going to stay with him. After spending a little bit of time with Jesus, it only took a little bit of time, and they realized, we have found the Messiah. So they immediately turn around, and Andrew's like, John, I'll be back. i got to go get my brother. So they go grab Peter. Think about everything, the stories of Peter, stepping out of the boat, everything he does, cutting off the ear, denying him three times. He goes and gets Peter. Peter, bro, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. So Peter's like, okay. So he comes up. Jesus sees him. And Jesus says, hey, I'm, I'm renaming you, Simon. You're now going to be known as Peter, which means rock. Why? Because later on you're going to have a confession. And it's upon that confession that I'm going to build my church. But even in all of this going on, God's still not done. Because then he goes to Bethsaida. And Bethsaida just so happens to be a place that Andrew and Peter are from and are well known there. So when he goes to these other people, a.k.a. Philip, and he comes to Philip to call him to be another disciple, they recognize, here's Andrew, here's Peter. I know these guys because they've been with John the baptizer, so there's credit in what they're doing. So he says, follow me, and then let's pick back up the story. Are you ready? He says, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Verse 45. Philip... Turns around and found Nathanael and said to him, 
We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now Nathaniel, being a little bit of a skeptic, he turns around and asks a simple question. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now that's a sermon in itself. I don't have time to deal with that right now. But I just want you to see the trickle effects of what's going on, okay? So bear with me. So he picked it up and Philip said, listen to these words. Philip said to him, come and see. See, I believe in the aspect of duplication. And I believe the things that are taught are usually more of the things that are caught. In other words, more is taught by what you're catching rather than what you're actually being taught to learn. Example, that's why people can go to a school and have all of these classes and do all this arithmetic and English, but they still turn around and go home and they so happen to live in the South and they have an accent that's a whole lot like mine. Why? Because you can teach somebody all you want, the phonics and the different stuff about English, but when they live in Cleveland, Tennessee, you can't take that out of them because more is caught than taught. Like my good buddy over here, Jason Brock, has never had a sandwich in his life. He's had sandwiches. <laughs> the man is fixing to be 40 years old and comes over to my house. And what are you eating for lunch? A sandwich? What the heck is a sandwich? And he's like, well, that's what I call it. And I'm like, it's sandwich. Which, hello, pot, it's the kettle, right? Why? Because some things cannot be taken out of people because it has such a stronghold in them. Because it's what's been caught. John the baptizer was doing so much more than baptizing people in a river. He was ushering in something that was so much greater than him. And the only thing he kept explaining to them is there's coming a Messiah. And when he comes, I'm going to show you. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. And then Jesus responds and says, I tell you what, you just come and see. So here's Nathaniel that's just doubting this whole aspect. And so Philip looks at him and says, you know what, I, I ain't going to try to explain it to you. Just come and see. Now listen to what happens after he says that. Verse 47. Jesus saw, again, we're talking about the coming and seeing and seeing stuff, and what are you looking for? Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, notice the change, rabbi, which means teacher, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So can I give you the, the quick synopsis? I've let this timeline, I've kept dragging that, but I want you to catch it. So John the baptizer is baptizing people in the river. Jesus comes to him to be baptized. His disciples that are around him that are gathering, coming to be baptized, he immediately takes the focus off of himself. He says, whoa, that's the man. That's the Lamb of God. This is the one I've told you about. This is the one whose sandals that I said I would not even be worthy to untie. So some of his disciples went, 
Well, we're following that guy then. So they take off following Jesus. Jesus says, what are you looking for? And they're like, where are you going? He says, well, come and see. Well, in the process of coming and seeing, they saw. And what they saw was that they had found the Messiah. And immediately after finding the Messiah, rather than putting the, the focus on themselves and running around, they went to some of their closest people. Andrew went to Peter. And then they turned around and went into Bethsaida, in which Peter and Andrew knew two other people, Philip and Nathaniel. And Philip realizes very quickly this is the Messiah, goes to get his buddy, Nathaniel. Nathaniel's doubting because he sees this aspect of Nazareth, doesn't really know the Old Testament prophecy that he would come out of the city of Nazareth, and says, is there anything ever going to be good? And he says, I'll tell you what, rather than debate with you, why don't you just come and see? Well, he comes to see Jesus. Jesus sees him coming. Jesus tells him who he is. And he goes, well, how do you know me? And then Jesus blows his mind. He said, because, you know, when he came to you and you were sitting under that fig tree, and Jesus was not there. And because he had announced what he was doing before, Nathaniel says, wow, you are the rabbi. You truly are the son of God. In which Jesus responds almost in a humorous way. So, so you're going to believe me now just because I told you you were under a fig tree? If you will come and see, you will see things greater than this. Truly you will see the heavens open up and the spirit descend and ascend on the son of man. So here's the point of the whole thing. All of it, all of it started with a selfless moment where one man decided that it was more important to build God's vision than to build his own. It was more important to build Jesus' ministry than his own ministry. It was more important to fulfill God's purpose than his own purpose. It was more important to point people to Christ than to point people to himself. In being a pastor, it absolutely rocked my world in my office. Because I started asking myself some very personal questions. Mickey, do you point people to Jesus? Or do you talk about yourself? When God moves in miraculous ways and puts cards at the end in the answer pile, do you give God the credit for what he did? Or do you start talking about crossroads like we did something? Like if somebody comes and has an anointing on their life that leads them away from crossroads, do you support, encourage, and love them and say, go, see? Or do you hoard and try to track down and say, no, no, but it would be better if we do it here. Like whose purpose are you really trying to accomplish? Are you trying to accomplish a calling that you put on my life when I was age 17? Or am I trying to accomplish a calling that started in the beginning of time where there's going to end up being a new heaven and a new earth? And it made me realize one thing. You can always tell which one you're really trying to do by the way you answer people's questions when they're trying to figure out what they're looking for. See, if, if people are talking to you about, about struggles they have in their life and they're looking for something and you're trying to give them the answer, then you're trying to be the one in charge. But if you're giving them an invitation to come and see, then there's something bigger going on in your life. See, the come and see lifestyle, I have no idea what's next. Like, there are some things up here 
that God himself is going to have to intervene in order for some of these things to take place. You say, well, what's your feelings on that? Come and see. Like when it happens, just make sure you were there. Like when God moves, I don't care who he moves from. I don't know who he moves through. I don't care who, who is the one that God uses as the greatest tool to be this vehicle to usher in this movement of God. I don't care. I just want to know that I'm there. I just want to see it. I want you to see it. And I want some of your friends to see it. And as God is moving and growing and doing things at, at crossroads and, and in other amazing churches in our community, like it's about time that we start dropping down all these different like names and we start saying, hey, you know what? We, we're all on the same page here. Like, I don't know why we're competing. And I start saying, just come and see. Like rather than promoting our own agenda to take John the Baptizer's amazing approach that launches the gospel of John where he totally takes himself out of the picture and says, now that's what you need to follow. Can I ask you a personal question? Are you more caught up when people seeing you when they're in their hardest times or people seeing Jesus? Are you more caught up in being the person that answers the question? Or are you more caught up in giving them an invitation that will lead to the answer to the question? Are you more, listen, especially some of you ladies. You ladies are amazing. Y'all can fix. Like, if, like there's people in this room that when I got, like I call me like, hey, like, I need some help. Like they're natural fixers. Like they fix problems. But when you fix problems, who gets the credit? And what do you do if there's a situation that God's not calling you to fix? He's just calling you to invite them to come and see. See, God put this message on my heart because of what we're at with 21 days of prayer. And where I believe we're going in 2022. You say, Mickey, what is it? Tell us. Come and see. Come and see things so much greater than these. If you are encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.